Chapter 11 They Know Where You Live Hi, Steve. Unfortunately, I will not be in the office today as I am dealing with a family crisis. If you need anything urgently, please call. I hope to be back in the office on Monday. Cheers, Polly. P.S. Kelly has the file you need for the London Summit meeting. It's all up to date. Hi, Polly. I hope you feel better soon. P.S. Are you able to join the conference call tomorrow, Friday? Thanks, Steve. Hi, Steve. Thanks. I will endeavor to join the call tomorrow. Unfortunately, due to a family crisis, I can't commit to this. But feel free to call if you need anything. K.R. Polly Okay. Thanks, Steve. The agonizing pain inside Polly's skull receded momentarily to celebrate her cunning at getting out of work for the next four days. She'd probably have to work twice as hard and long next week, but that was next week's problem. For now, she was free. If it was possible to hop out of a sofa bed, then Polly almost did it. Bert's flat reminded Polly of a TV program she'd seen about extreme weather. A tornado had devastated a community, leaving behind broken bits of furniture, upturned trees, and clutter, except Bert's flat was less organized. It infuriated her that all this time he'd been hiding out here in Stockwell, less than half an hour away from her apartment. It was a miracle they hadn't bumped into each other. She was up before him and hunting for a container to have a glass of water. Giving up, she opted for a swig from the tap. She wished she were back in her flat in Putney. Slowly, current events caught up with her and her joy slowly evaporated. What was Bert so afraid of? Why had they come to his flat to hide? From whom were they hiding? She aimlessly wandered around, picking up objects and strange things around her. She went to the bookcase, interested to see if there was anything to distract her. She was surprised to find several children's books scattered among the self-help books, and a few sporting biographies with names such as Born to Cycle and I Can Move Any Mountain Bike. It's funny how people change, thought Polly, recalling Bert's aversion to getting on a bicycle. The children's books baffled her the most. He'd not mentioned any children. Her eyes fell to a small pocket-sized book with a dark, battered cover entitled Mentor Tome. She took it down from the shelf and was mesmerized by the shiny, gold-imprinted letters and the elaborately decorated planet on the cover. Now, this was something she wanted to read, and absentmindedly tucked it away in her bag. As she did this, the piece of paper Donald had given her, not 48 hours earlier, dropped to the floor. She opened it up again and looked uncomprehendingly at the code. www.nothing.com What the hell did it mean? She thought back to her plan of action. Searching around a pile of debris, she found an abandoned letter and a broken crayon on Bert's kitchen table. She sat down to update her list. Number one, find Donald. Number two, find Bert. Number three, find out what I want. Well, she'd found Bert, or he'd found her, so that was a tick off the list. She would have to wait until Bert woke up to figure out how to find Donald. So that just left, find out what I want. Oh, just that small question. What do I want? She wondered. There were, of course, hundreds of things that Polly wanted. She started to make a list. Miniature indoor fireworks. 
a pet pigeon, but only if the pigeon wants to be my pet, which she had crossed out and replaced with a pigeon as a friend, yellow trainers, a nice fountain pen with a bendy nib, green towels, a new key ring, some paints, must be oil paints, travel scrabble. She stopped and revisited her list. Apart from the pigeon friend, they were all material things that she could quite easily acquire herself. She felt she wasn't thinking big enough. She started a new list. This time she named it Big Stuff I Want. World Peace and Social Justice. Resolution to the Housing Crisis, which she had crossed out and replaced with Humane Resolution to the Housing Crisis. Protection of the Environment which she had crossed out and replaced with adequate protection of the environment. Establish new planet for human habitation. She reviewed the big list. Her mind boggled. This list was too big. When she thought about it, she wasn't even sure what most of it would entail. Take world peace for a start. Some people love having a row, so if they stopped rowing, would they be at peace? She carried this thought down a vast black hole of confusing paradoxes. Okay, come on, Polly, you can do this. She mentally picked herself off the proverbial floor again. What do you want? What was missing from her life? With a quick look over her shoulder, she scribbled down, For Bert to stay. And then, even smaller underneath, A boyfriend? A warm rush flooded to her cheeks as tears threatened to prick her eyes, but slowly shoved away. Overwhelmed and mentally paralyzed, her hangover returned. The desire to lie down was intense. Bert walked into the kitchen wearing just his pants and a t-shirt with How soon is now? embossed on it. He had also creatively decorated the t-shirt with a luminous yellow dye. You ooze class said Polly sarcastically, before vomiting a little in her mouth. After rushing to the bathroom, she returned, slightly gray and shaky. Ignoring her, Bert had produced a shiny new laptop from somewhere and was busy typing away. What now? said Polly. We have to find Donald, said Bert, taking charge. Please tell me what's going on first, pleaded Polly. This is all so strange. Bert sighed and shut his laptop. Okay, but you need to listen and not make stupid jokes. The urge to make a stupid joke was unbearable. However, Polly held her tongue and nodded at him to go on. I needed to find out what I wanted from life. I was unhappy and I felt suffocated. Every day that passed, it became harder to come back. I felt bad. I know you needed me, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't be your rock when I was falling apart myself. I told myself I'd done you a favor. I'd left you the flat and enough money. He looked away as if hearing his feebleness. It's okay, I forgive you, said Polly matter-of-factly, and, as with anyone who'd ever uttered those words before, translated to, I haven't forgiven you. Then I met Janet. She was so different from everyone else I'd ever met before. I met her in a therapy group for overcoming anxiety. I fell in love with her. At first, everything was a dream. We got married one New Year's Eve on a whim, but it felt so right. 
He looked away dreamily. She wanted to meet you. We almost did once, but I was too ashamed. I wanted to pretend I was a good guy, not the kind of guy who would abandon his orphan sister. He looked at her, willing her to understand. Things changed rapidly after contact from over there. Janet became distant and preoccupied. Eventually, she told me she was an over. (laughs) It was a complete shock at first, and I didn't really believe her. But, as the months passed, it began to make sense, and then it became routine. I was naturally fascinated by her heritage. I, I wanted to tell the world. I became obsessed with her race. But Janet hated it. I didn't realize her entire mission was to find our similarities, the, the things that make us the same, the things that bind our races together. I was looking for every difference, contrasting us and celebrating her superiority. Perhaps subconsciously, I was overcompensating. I believed her to be better, but I patronized and belittled her without knowing. I thought I was open-minded. As Polly listened, she noted it was the first time she had heard him sound so truthful and vulnerable. Before her eyes, he became a small boy again with a washing-up bowl on his head. Her heart softened. Bert's face became angry. Jealousy came next. I felt I wasn't good enough for her. She was an over and had traveled to Earth from over there. Did she see other overs behind my back? He paused and looked to Polly. Polly remained silent. After a short time, he continued. Janet realized very quickly that my behavior would be similar to that of all Earthlings, and that fascination would lead to suspicion. When she told me she was feeling trapped, I told her she was paranoid. He stopped and raised his hands to his head, gripping his hair. What happened? How did she die? Polly felt uneasy and sick again, because somewhere in her consciousness, she thought she already knew. She was missing for two weeks before I received a visit from the official police, saying she was found dead. The verdict was suicide. And was it? ventured Polly. No, it was not. They killed her. Bert's face turned hard and unreadable. Who? Who killed her? Polly was confused. The official police. Bert snarled. Polly snorted with laughter. Everyone knew the story behind the official police. A few years ago, when social media was taking over the world, a criminal gang registered the username for every police unit in the UK. Once the group had been found out, they refused to hand over the usernames, and therefore the police were forced to set up a division called the Official Police to match their name and to be forever mocked as such. Bert looked at her, deadly serious. I take it you haven't had a lot of dealing with the Official Police. They are not some urban myth from the internet, Polly. They were set up by the Home Office as soon as over there contacted us. It's their job to identify, arrest, and kill every alien in the UK. They cannot be allowed to kill people. It sounds like a conspiracy theory to me. Polly was feeling confused. She couldn't believe what he was telling her. I know what it sounds like, and no, they are not allowed to kill humans. But there's nothing to stop them killing aliens. They have no rights. They are deemed a threat. 
The official police can do whatever they want. He gripped the arm of his chair so tightly that Polly saw all the veins protrude from his hands. Polly decided to humor him. And you think the official police have Donald, too? I do, now I know he's given you the code, replied Bert earnestly. Don't you have any idea what's happening, Polly? He looked directly at her, as if he could make her believe him if he stared for long enough. Can you imagine how we are responding? Earth is no longer top dog. Panic is rife at the highest levels. People who thought they were the most powerful people in the universe now feel stupid and weak. They want to root out all the overs and destroy over there. They want their positions in the universe and their power back. But why? Polly asked. Because, numbnuts, they're suspicious and scared. Have you heard the rumors that over there wants to take over Earth? Said Bert. No, do they really? Asked Polly, wide-eyed. No, they don't. That's what I'm telling you. Can't you see it? Earth wants us to believe that over there is planning to attack us to justify destroying it. He gave her a beseeching look. Okay, fine. Don't believe me. He walked over to the TV and put on the 24-hour news. Polly would have preferred it if he'd invited a band of howling foxes into the house rather than watch crappy, rolling, pointless echo chamber news. He tried a different tack. It's not your fault, Polly. You've been duped. We all have. They're going to destroy everything. Polly was gradually drawn into the news clips going round and round. Inevitable war with over there. Do you know your neighbor? How much are over there paying in tax? Human murdered by alien. Alien terrorist group detained. Over there have potential to arm nuclear bombs. Oh, said Polly. Why, though? What's the point? I don't get it. She felt an overwhelming sense of impending doom. How are we going to get Donald back? Don't know. They both sat transfixed by the endless rolling of fear stories filling the screen. Suddenly, Polly sat up straight. I've got an idea, she said excitedly. What is it? Bert asked cautiously. Where's the best place to hide? I'm not up for a game, Polly, said Bert, annoyed. It's not a game. Where's the best place to hide? Where everyone can see you! She exclaimed proudly, nodding towards the TV.